Hey, big love fam. Welcome to Super Freak. This is a high vibe podcast, y'all, exploring all things frequencies, how they govern form, shape our realities, and are the key to living from your full potential. It's non-woo combos about super woo shit, unpacking what I call the science of self, from body and soul literacy to the power of understanding vibration, higher consciousness, quantum physics, and spiritual psych. Let this podcast become a resource for you on your journey to self-mastery. If you're curious and ready to free your mind, unlock the body, and truly become limitless, then you're in the right place. I'm your host, Tally. This is Super Freak, awakening for the next gen. Let's go. All right, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Super Freak. I am joined by Neha Obroy again, my co-host for the Super Freak podcast every now and then. Like sometimes I do solo sessions and sometimes we do these co-ops and we'll see how it goes. But today we're going to do a little bit of a palate cleanser because I know I've been coming in like pretty hot on some topics and do a Q&A and whatever else comes up. So Neha, I will pass it to you and let's see how this goes. Yeah. So, okay, let's dive right in. So big question that I have, and I think a lot of other people have is what happens to us when we die, like our spirit, our soul, tell us more. Yeah. Yeah. That's launching right in that big, (laughs) very meta question to approach the conversation of death would be to talk about what it means to actually live. Right. So we are non-local. And I believe if you've been listening to the the podcast and some of the content, I talk about what non-locality means. What does that actually mean? So in the scope of the universe, we are non-local awareness, which is essentially what the quantum entanglement Nobel Prize was for. It was the universe is is not local, as it turns out, that it's actually much different than we thought it was. So we're we're non-local awareness, meaning we're a little scoop, right? The ocean is everything and we're a little cup of scoop of this awareness. And we come into this body localized in a point in time, right? So we're non-local awareness. We log into this reality, basically a body, we grab a body. And from the moment we, we grab space, the body, we start to be within a construct of time. So we're in a non-death experience prior to an embodied experience because we're what we are is awareness, right? So we're just awareness having an experience for a short period of time, becoming aware of itself. So I say that we are actually non-local awareness, separate of space and time, having a localized experience experience. That's basically what human is. So when we die, right, we, our soul knows exactly the time we're going to be born and exactly the time down to the second that we die, that we log out of this reality. We come in with typically an inhale and we leave with an exhale. So it is this idea of in and out, right? Like breath coming in and out and breath breathing life and oxygen leaving. And, you know, all becomes very poetic in a way, but Essentially, when the functions start, stop, and the body slows way, way down, right? We disconnect from time. 
So I want to talk about near-death experiences for a minute, because a lot of folks who have near-death experiences, and if you listen to near-death experiences, they literally all say the same things, where I was witnessing my body, I was outside of myself, everything was telepathic. I knew, I couldn't tell you what was in front of me, but I just knew that this was happening. All of a sudden I was here at the speed of thought. All of a sudden I was there at the, you know, in just a second or some souls, when they cross over, they cross over the veil of time. Okay. They move beyond time and they're in, they're in a non-time experience. So essentially they revert, they disconnect from the body and they go to a state of awareness as the soul recognized as connected to the embodiment experience, right? That fictional character. It's almost like, like imagine a video game, right? You're in the game as first person, you are interacting with life to learn and experience, right? Mm -hmm. Yourself to experience your patterns. Then you move into the observer, which is more of a heightened sense of awareness. You can see your reality. There's more space between you and how you want to respond to it. That's essentially what the observer effect is. When you become the, the observer, you have more space between what's happening, excuse me, and your response to it. Then there's multiple depths of that. When you disconnect from the body, you disconnect from time. When people are having near-death experiences, they're in some people, depending on some religions, depending on what it's called, some people call it, uh, I know I think the Buddhists call it the bardo. You go in the space between. Sometimes it, there's, it's kind of a waiting room. Sometimes you're met with your guides. Sometimes you're met with, depending on your faith here, you're met with what you believe, whether or not that's Allah, Buddhism, Muhammad, Jesus. Some people will have rememberings of meeting the Blessed Mother when they cross over Mary, because that's what they believed here, as above, so below, right? So Death is essentially returning to a single source of consciousness, right? With loads and loads of memory of how you've experienced multiple incarnations. So the caveat to all of this, and it, it's not scary. It's actually quite beautiful. Like you ever, you never really die. You only truly live in different moments of time, in different focal points of time, in localized experiences of time. So you're a timeless being. That's local. So essentially in sessions, I kind of run a metaphor a little bit, like imagine your Google, right? Google earth. <laughs> and I have to like focus on where you are in time. And so I zoom in to you to see where you are, that kind of thing. So it's really a perception, awareness, perception, your, re your relationship with perception, and then the experience. The body is very physical. It's very dense. So again, going back to NDEs, folks who have NDEs, they separate from time. They see themselves from perspective. Like, how can I be here? But I'm also there. The mm. body is here. The body wants to stay alive. The body starts to run. Like the ego starts to keep the body alive because it's a function of the mind, but the soul is separated out. Experiencing mm. itself going, how am I here? But also over there. Right. Okay. So essentially what is death is death is awareness without a body that just had a big fat 
lesson, <laughs> the stream yeah. of now moments that work in a continuum where you got the opportunity to learn. What happens during the death space is depending on the level of awakening you were here in this physical form is you'll have various reviews. You'll have some type of review. And if you are not supposed to die yet, you will be shot back into your body. And if you are at, let's say you've come here and you've reached certain benchmarks, sometimes you will give choice. Do you want to go back or do you want to stay over here? Because it's just pure love. The frequency of, of non-locality is just pure bliss and love and beauty. And what you thought was real is you're, you're experiencing that tenfold. You know, even in the meditation that I told you I was in before I got on this call was just this deeply expansive state of nothingness that seemed to go on forever. And I had no, I had no thought, no pain, you know, no worry, all of that. People are scared of death because Western cultures don't talk about death, but truly it is a celebration of life. The idea of death should essentially help you appreciate life is what it, it is. So people who hold on to their pets, I was like, I wish you could see or feel what they feel when they disconnect. Let's say they have life's here, you know, the form here for some pets is really hard. They have a hard life, but they disconnect. They go back to source and it's just bliss. So it's definitely nothing to be scared of, but what I'll say very long-winded answer is life, death is just a continuation of life. We just have a different form. We go into formlessness, essentially. So one thing that you mentioned is that if you have a near-death experience, you get pulled in, or I guess you, you get made into awareness, then like your guides or whoever you believe in is there to consult with you. Is that right? And if you haven't passed benchmarks, you go back into your body. So it's very much like, I think you've mentioned this, like an earth school. It really is. Right. So like in school, like if we don't do well in, you know, in our class, if you fail a grade, you're going back to that grade. So is that very similar to what you mean in comparison here? Kind of. So it's not necessarily punishing, right? It's not punishing. And this depends too, because a lot of people have counsels, they have guides, but they don't necessarily, because that's what they need in that moment to help them access more of their limitless or innate potential or their higher self, but really your guides are you in other dimensions. Okay. They're just you. It's really the only thing that's real literally is your relationship with your higher self in a now moment, just series of nows. The past isn't real. It can be manipulated. The past was created from a series of now moments. Everything you look at in terms of physical matter is all in the past because it's all been created. <laughs> right? It's already been created. So I'll say, depending on, depending on what you believe here. So again, this also depends on the person. Some people are greeted by loved ones who have crossed over because it's more comfortable for them, right? Death is very scary. Souls don't know how to die. Western culture doesn't know how to do that. So they will need to be presented with familiarity. So this is where it gets a little slippery too, because a lot of souls that die because they don't know how to die will kind of move into the living 
right? They'll go into what's living. They'll go into a matching frequency. They'll go into a neck, the next incarnation of body. Cause this is a closed loop system, which I can talk about, but you do get greeted by whatever, whatever is going to make your experience more comfortable. You will go right into an area and they'll, they'll be like someone waiting for you. And it'll be like a hall of records, which is similar to what the Akashics are. And you will be told that, let's say you're not done yet. You haven't fulfilled the things that you wanted to accomplish as a soul pre-agreement. So you're not ready to die yet. It's time to go back kind of thing. And you will be shown purpose, life purpose, deeper lessons, something that you need to let go of. Very similar to, I wouldn't say similar, but I think people feel like it's close to a death space when they do lots of DMT or ayahuasca or or a psychedelic, they'll move beyond a veil of time. They'll move into a a non-ego based space. And because those filters get dropped, which essentially what time is, it's part of a construct of the mind. The filter gets dropped. You see yourself from a different perspective. You hear different truths, right? You see different things about your life. A lot of people who aren't finished yet and they get kind of pushed back into their bodies usually were very, very, very dense and they needed to move things fast along faster. So this will be debilitating depression, debilitating addictions. The patterns are really, really thick. They need to move beyond them. Something usually is correlated to an accident, some catalyzing event that will kickstart an awakening journey for people to see themselves differently, to see them, you know, their lives differently. People feel lighter, right? They feel like, oh my God, I got all this information. I'm changed. Yeah, because it fundamentally changes you when you see that the unseen is actually the real world and this is the dream world. Like that's what's real. This is actually the illusion here. And that's why it's all learning. It's all one big holographic earth school. So yes, so depending on your level of awareness here, I say it's like spiritual Pokemon. It kind of is in a joke, in a joking way, meaning the level of awareness you are here determines the access that you have beyond the veil of time, determines choice, determines, you know, you being able to basically liberate yourself from being in a closed loop system, which is what this is. This is literally a game that it's one big computer program that runs on a loop and you're part of that loop until you awaken and you transcend the loop. That's the role. So imagine as a soul, you've been doing this thousands and thousands of years, you cross over and many, many different beings and many different other aspects of time and dimensions and things like that, whatever your counsel tells you, your higher self tells you, your guides tell you, your dead grandmother tells you there's more to be done. If you cross over now, the soul will not have fulfilled its agreement. And that will, that's not in alignment basically with the all that is. time to go back kind of thing, or you'll have choice and you'll be like, no, I want to go back and I want to do this. I want to do this, 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 and this. And then they'll ask you, like, for example, if you're in surgery, do you want to be in surgery during the brain surgery? Do you want to go in after the aneurysm (laughs) or do you want to pop back into your body after this? Like I want to pop in after, I don't want to feel that much pain. Okay. Boom. And then you pop in and you're told exactly what's going to happen exactly, you know, how long it's going to take you to recover from a set accident. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I know it gets really hard to understand the pain that's experienced 
here in the physical world? Like, how can you understand victimness? How can we cognitively try to wrap ourselves around with, you know, emotionally, like what happens to children and, you know, like just the hellacious things that are going on? Souls agree. (laughs) They agree. And there is essentially they agree to this. And this is going a little off, but because sometimes it's, it's agreement to transcend this loop of being in constant victim state, right? Or in constant patterning and constant algorithms around suffering. But they'll be asked, the soul will agree, do you want this or do you want this? Based on their options will be, are based on possibilities and probabilities based on the level of awareness. When you die, you have no emotional judgment. Everything's perfect, okay, right? You see the way you lived your life through Every, the living. Okay. You see the effects that you had on people. You see who you helped, you see who you hurt. And sometimes depending on who you are, you're meant to feel those things. You're meant to feel them. So you understand. So again, this is all learning. The universe is trying to learn its learn, right? Experiencing itself in all things. So if a soul is going to find the most efficient way to awaken, that's essentially the rule set, right? That's kind of the option. What's the most efficient way for me to awaken? They're going to find, tee themselves up perfectly, right? Sometimes that's deep levels of suffering in order to awaken, to transcend it. So when you look at it just from an algorithmic perspective, a lot makes a lot of sense. Like it makes a lot of sense. Like, oh, I know exactly why I chose my parents. Why I know exactly why you know, I had this level of availability to me based on my level of awareness. So the idea is to awaken, become aware, learn. You can't make any mistakes. You're not going to graduate. You're not going to get punished. You know, the idea is though, take advantage of having a body, do it, take advantage of it because it just gets exponentially better. You just have more choice. Yeah. That's actually quite beautiful. It's actually quite beautiful when you think about it. Okay, one thing you mentioned is that we've lived thousands and thousands of lives. So how do our past lives play a role into our current lives? I'll say that everything is happening at the same time. This is a localized experience. Like, again, think about this like Westworld, okay? Think that you're Maeve. Maeve is waking up every day after her memory has been erased. So we come here with amnesia. We agree to be veiled from all of our lives, from all the experiences we've ever had, from all the awarenesses we've ever had. We agree to all of that. Our simultaneous lives are patterns, experiences playing out in non-locality all at the same time, everything happening all at once. Where you put your awareness is what you're experiencing. The more you awaken, basically the more access you have to yourself, the faster all those things, let's say all those lives, those simultaneous lives happening in multi-dimensions and multiple timelines and everything happening all at once, they start to sink and they start to kind of aggregate by group and subgroup. And you can collapse timelines a lot faster. Imagine that you're watching 37,000 different versions of Star Wars. That storyline played out in 
50,000 different types of movies, right? Where there's an, the arc is the same. <laughs> okay. Like that story, the storyline of Luke is the same, right? Where I don't know who I am. Something happens, get a teacher, learn, master it, give it back. Like that arc is played out a hundred different times. So imagine you're watching a bunch of different movies all at the same time. And there's a thread that starts to, to sink through many different movies. Kind of like imagine it's like circle, 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 circle. And then the circles become whatever, a Venn diagram where they start to merge and they overlap. Those are overlapping lessons. Those are over, okay. Can you see that visual? Like imagine you're looking at literally nothing but a wall of circles. Is that sort of like, they call it like the flower of life or something like that? Similar, but that's a little different because, so that's a good image, right? Imagine that image because essentially that's looking at the flower of life is really more about the holographic structure, the geometric structure of how the, the soul is created in the body from a holographic perspective, right? From an energy and frequency vibration perspective. So if you look at, imagine you're looking at a wall of circles each of those circles representing, right, a simultaneous timeline, which is like a circle like this. And then those timelines start to overlap based on lesson. The more you awaken, the more access you have to yourself, the more access you have to your body, which is holding all of the records. Records are all in your DNA. So the more you, tr the more you, let's say, look at your patterns and you transcend patterns, the more all those movies collapse, they don't overlap anymore. They just become singular and then they come, they just dissolve into nothing. That's truly what singularity is. You're moving out of being, okay, that singularity is being a singular expression of yourself, who you are at spirit level in reflection in all dimensions, in all timelines, separate of distortion patterns. Unresolved lifetimes essentially are keeping you fragmented. They're keeping your light fragmented, okay? They're keeping you separate of, of being able to materialize faster, of being more of your authentic self, of being in lower density. The lifetimes are unresolved because there was something you, didn't, you needed to learn that you didn't learn. So when you come into form, you come into form, you take the aggregated data from all of those lifetimes, your family lineage, you get on a USB, you, that plugs in to your body basically, and then you start the loop all over again. Okay, now I'm a different character, right? You start, you start at the beginning with a different character. And then the, the idea is to remember. Oh, I remember. So a lot of people, when they have dreams, I had this dream that I was this person, I was a queen and I was doing that. Chances are you're living out an alternative, yeah, an alternative lifetime that has something to do with your lifetime here. So when people get really obsessed about past lives, I tell them to just focus on the one here because <laughs> it's all the same. <laughs> like focus on the one you're living here because that's the indicator as to what you've already done. Don't go past or alternate life or regress. 
become deeply present and get really familiar and comfortable and curious about the life you're living now, because that is the thing that's going to be the catalyst to basically collapse and obliterate everything else. You basically want to come back to a single source of nothing, single source of pure expression of what your soul is. That's what singularity is, right? Representing and refracting yourself, reflecting yourself in light versions in everything. That makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And I, th- I was just going to ask about past life regressions and you sort of answered it there by saying, don't do that because is it the patterns that are showing up in our life right now that play out from our past lives? Is that what it is? They're already showing up in our life? Yes. <laughs> this is what I believe to be true now. So I, it's not that you don't go ahead and do past life regressions. That's fantastic. It just is going to unlock more aspects of your brain, unlock more aspects of your body, because chances are we're holding on to trauma. Okay. We're holding on to trauma in the body. Typically past life regressions will open up where patterns stem from. Similarly to what I'm doing in sessions is I'm going to origin to see where the patterns started. If you're if you're out of time here and there's been breaks in your timeline in the first seven years of your life, that's creating how you're creating your reality in today, in this moment right now. Something happened then. But why do you have a propensity to have that type of abuse? That's what I want to look at. So I'm going to look at the correlating timeline and the correlating patterns. I want to look at the pattern, where they started, how far that's going back, and resolve it then, there, basically in a different point in time, in space-time. If I resolve it, right, this is where torsion field physics comes in. If I resolve it from origin, then it resolves in all timelines, in all directions, with all family members, right? Future generations, past generations, all of it. So a past life regression is instructive, but people will take that and hold on to it and create an identity. I was told that I was a czar in another life. Russian czar. And because of that, I'm a queen. And this is why I have the propensity to date really shitty men, <laughs> right? This kind of thing. And I was like, that's great. But if past life regressions aren't helping you transcend patterns, then the fuck are we doing with past life regressions? All of this stuff should be a tool, literally, like from frequency work to this podcast, to the information that I give out, to the conversation we're having now, to the effort, to all this stuff. It literally should just be a tool to help you understand yourself better, to give yourself permission to live bigger, to accept more and tolerate less and get more access to who you are, really. I mean, the tarot cards, the ceremonies, the saging, like the crystals, like, you know, the body work. Great. I'll do it all. I don't give a fuck. But if you're, if it's not amplifying happiness, joy, peace, the experience of yourself, getting more access to who you are, Baby, I don't know what the fuck we doing then. You know what I mean? Got to take advantage of the short time we have. Yeah. So how then do the Akashic records play into this? Library. It's one big fat library. So everything that you've experienced is in your soul's records. That's accessible through a signature, like a frequency signature or a sonic fingerprint. Okay. It's just patterned information. It's all light, right? We live, everything is made up of atoms. Everything has torsion fields, you know, that information, that patterned information is carried on a frequency, right? That's why it's all frequencies. So the Akashics are 
one big library of universal record. And it's all light. It's all carried in light. So everything you've experienced is patterned light. It's patterned light in your spirit body, right? Your frequency creates this holographic spirit body that's all around you creating that as a hologram, helping you create density, right? Reflecting in this density, basically. So the, the Akashics are like a meta version of that. They're the galactic libraries or universal libraries. They're the history of the all that is. When you access yourself, you can, you know, you access the Akashics too. You could just ask the question and things will just come in. And of course it's infinite, right? Like you have to be able to hold higher bandwidth of frequencies to have higher, you know, different levels of information come in. So when I say it's like spiritual Pokemon, you know, you, let's say you pop into the fifth dimension and then you expand into your 13th and 15th dimensional self. Well, that's just in this 12D grid. There's multiverses and you can expand your awareness infinitely. It's an infinite game. So people really want knowledge, which is, I can understand. You know what I mean? Like having access and having knowledge is fun. It's exciting. That to me is when you start, you know what I mean? When you awaken, you just start life. <laughs> that's where we begin. So yeah. So Akashics, a lot of people who do past life regress, uh, regressions will access some Akashic that's through your frequency signature. Everything is transparent too. So anything that is nefarious in nature has access to all of that. Anything that's, you know, loving in nature has access to all of that. There's definitely specific rule sets here to this game, this earth school. It's a game really. So there's rules. But yeah, Akashics are library records of everything, everyone that's ever existed, all of their lives, the all that is. So in a past episode where you talk about empathy, you talk about how empaths have healing abilities. And maybe it's non-empaths, empaths too. I don't even know, empaths <laughs> too, right? So I want to talk empaths. about yeah. empaths. Yeah. Well, uh, so I want to talk about if you have these abilities, whether you're an empath or not, how do you access them? Um, how do you know that you have them? So I'll say with empaths, it, it there's a few things at play. One, just children with heightened senses, a heightened sense of awareness. A lot of children come in with all kinds of crazy imaginations. It's all play because they have very low filters. Their little brains are in theta, they're little sponges, and they're getting programmed from zero to seven. Their awarenesses are very heightened. So some of these children come in and they're very bright and they have a heightened sense of awareness. Other empaths cultivate a heightened sense of having to calculate emotion as a trauma response. So if they're in an environment that isn't safe, they will learn, they will create a strategy, okay, to scan their environment and the nervous system is starting to become predictive and it's almost like they dress, rehearse tragedy. So they'll dress, rehearse and come up with hypotheticals to prepare the nervous system for worst case scenario in order to keep themselves safe. So they'll feel the, they'll feel the eggshell environment. A lot of times it's with um, if there was violence in the house, if there was alcoholism, if there was just 
general emotional neglect, or if dad came home in a mood or if mom came home in a mood, they would sense it kind of like a dog senses when the owner is near. Those senses are really, really high heightened and they'll, they'll know how to behave. They will kick into hyper performer perfectionism, you know, growing up to, you know, faster than they need to, in order to get the mother's attention, father's approval, whatever. So empaths typically have this cultivated sense of emotion to keep themselves safe. So there's also another version of just gifting kids that come in with gifting. Like I said, we all have different levels of gift. We all have different heightened sense of amplification of senses. We all have different abilities, abilities. And I don't like to put a lot of focus on that because I think it's creating a whole other derived sense of ego in the neo-awake, shaman, pseudo-awakened community where everyone is thinking they're having ego deaths when really they're just having identity deaths and no one is special. No one is above you, but there is some tenacity that certain people have. I mean, provided that you have a certain access to yourself and you've been able to stick with yourself long enough to see through the the veil and to see through the illusion and you're in the work, meaning you're in active, you're in an active relationship with perception and you're actively clearing. And that comes with a lot of responsibility. Not everybody has what it takes. A lot of people are just like really okay being followers. So if you've reached a certain level, that's rewarded. Like beings beyond the veil of time in this reality, I mean, it's, it is, you are deeply loved anyway, but it is definitely looked upon like, it is not easy to transcend the illusion in this reality. If you're doing any aspect of that, I mean, it's like kudos. So I'll say, you know, someone like me, I was a very imaginative kid, imaginative kid. And I think a lot of children are, but there are definitely some kids that run different levels of abilities than others. You know, they just do. A lot of it too, is how much you own them and claim them what you see, what you're willing to step into. You know, for me, it was like, I avoided doing this for a long time. And then it was just like, you don't have your divine will is taking over. Your free will is out. (laughs) Divine will is in. Um, so I don't know what your question was. Like, do ever, does everybody have these abilities to some degree? Yeah. Like healing abilities. Yes. It's about self-healing. So I'll say this. So We get very, very focused on other. We get very focused on having an impact of being able to help other. And we forget that it has to do with us first. Like literally, it has to do with us first. So even in sessions, I will get very focused on how present I am with myself first. If the session is, if I can feel like, I'm getting out and I'm focused too much on other, I have to come back to myself. I will say that the biggest lie in any type of spiritual community is the hyper-focus on other over yourself, meaning awakening yourself first, having access to yourself first, understanding the mechanics of how you operate, mastering yourself. Self-mastery is an infinite game. It's infinite. The only way that you're, you truly will have any impact 
and you can, you can have lots of impact. Mother Teresa had a lot of impact, but she was burdened. You could see it on her face. You could see it in her body. That is a self-sacrifice martyr pattern. But if you're looking at really truly like ascending and getting real access to who you are, then other is not the focus. That is a natural reflection. It happens naturally. Your impact in the world happens naturally. You don't have to touch anybody, heal them. You don't have to do shit. Your resonance, being at a higher resonance, just being in love, being in joy, being in peace, your resonance alone will walk into a room and change people. It just will. Before I even knew what I was doing with myself, I would go into a room and people would feel it. They would tell me. Like you have an energy. That's what charisma is, right? There's like, that's what attraction is. People want to be around people who believe in who they are or have a sense of confidence, or they just have an energy, that kind of thing. People will shift from people who have a high frequency. So yes, we all have different abilities to be able to perceive at different rates, mm-hmm. right? This is a perception game, awareness, awakening, healing, whatever is perception. When I'm working with other people, healing in general just means you're creating a change. Yeah. There's two points, right? There's multiple points. You're a matrix, right? When the moment I bring your awareness to the patterns that you're running, something happens because my residence is what it is. People will feel a change right? In the body, in this, you know, in the sessions, they'll be able to feel something unless they're just totally closed off under the guise of being open and they're skeptical in nature, which I have very little tolerance for. Fine. <laughs> Move on. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to turn the skeptics. Like I want to work with people who are ready to go and we're going to do the damn thing. So I would say it's, I would focus less on abilities and less on healing and accessing who you are and living from a fundamentally authentic place. Then from there, all of a sudden something takes over. I don't know how I know these things. I don't know how I answer these questions. I don't know how to write this book. Like, I don't know how, where this information is coming from, but it's just, I, but I can, I, it just comes through me, right? You just, you just are living from that place where you just care a lot less. And all of a sudden, like all the things that you saw for yourself or you wanted to experience within yourself or how you wanted, how you see yourself starts to feel more coherent. You don't feel so separate. It's coherence. It's the coherence game. You feel singular. Like I can watch loads of people having podcasts that are booming and I can see how separate they are from themselves, how they're still running off ego, how it's never going to be enough. Have they sold you know, four companies that have all hit a billion dollars and yet they're still trying to prove that, right. They're operating off of a smaller version of themselves that's unhealed. So I'm like, don't focus on other, (laughs) don't do it. Focus on yourself, focus on clearing your patterns, become a master, become a master at understanding you and the matrix of you. Then because everything's a mirror, you start to see you back to you and you see through things. And that's when you start to amplify ability. And I'll say, I'll finish with this. The thing that comes most naturally to you, whether it be intuition or a cognizance, or let's say you hear or you feel, whatever your natural tendency is, amplify that. 
Like if you're a seer, own it. If you're a feeler in your gut, when you know something, you know it, you got to amplify that and not gaslight yourself. Like when you know something, double down. That's how you start opening up other ability. Usually we all have a stronger sense, right? So amplify the strongest one and then that will open up other ones. So, I mean, no, it a hundred percent makes sense. So for people who are feeling stuck, for example, and I know a lot of the time, like for me in the past, when I felt stuck, I've done that where I've looked outside of myself and I've been like, okay, what can I do? How can I help people? What business should I start? Da, 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 you know, what would you say to them is the first step that they should take in order to stop doing that and start getting more access, like going within accessing themselves? This is where I want to, I wanted to like air punch myself in the face (laughs) years ago when people would tell me this, but I like kick in the air, just like, ah, you know, like you have to just, what I did that helped me is the, the version of you that's just really striving to become something to get right. To just start that next thing is, is an ego filter. And so I had to just get my head wrapped around being nothing. So what helped me, a couple things. There was two times, several different catalytic moments, but really I was like, you know what? I give up. I don't care anymore. I'm just going to be a loser living in this shitty apartment, <laughs> right? I'm going to be a loser living in this shitty department, shitty apartment, eating fucking beans and rice from Trader Joe's. And this is going to be my life. It's fine. I have my dog. The sun is beautiful. I can drive, right? I can drive to the beach right now. That's kind of great. And I'm just going to do that. I just kind of accepted deeply where I was, where I was. So I will say the first thing is to just accept your basic bitchness, (laughs) like accept your fucking ordinary the moment that you're in, in that, in like, literally, I I'm like, I'm never going to have, I was like, I don't care about all the things that I think that I want. Why do I want to have this level of impact? Why do I think that I want this? What if I just let all of that go and none of it mattered and my existence was just enough and my shitty apartment eating fucking beans and rice from Trader Joe's was just enough. What, would, what if that was just cool? And that was good. And the moment I did that, I felt a lot of what happened is like my energy stopped being contracted and forced and I expanded. I got to relax. People do when they get into that mode of having to achieve and perform is they push their higher self out and they get into the mind. So when I accepted and a lot of people just cry, I mean, I could tell you like the way the floor patterned of the grain of the wood looked when I had multiple, you know, the first is 2015. I had just come back from traveling for three months. I had just sat in the fucking jungle for 21 days in silence. I had tried to do all of these things, to quiet my mind and get more access to myself. And I just basically kept myself moving until I got so tired. I, you know, flew back to the United States and just hung out with friends and passed out. And I was right back in the loop of, what I had been doing before with different perspective. Sure. But I was still kind of in the same place of feeling stuck. So I would say, accept your stuckness. You're stuck. So what? Okay. It's not forever. Now what? Right. And so I just, 
started really small. Like I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to see if I can sit with myself in silence for one minute without a negative thought coming into my head. Or if a negative thought does come into my head, I'm going to see if I can just kick it out and just be with what is for a one minute. And I would set my timer, cry, sit on the couch, you know, see if I can get myself back into time. I didn't even know what that meant. But by that time I had enough like early spiritual tools where I could, I learned how to like run my energy where I would like run, put a grounding cord on me, run my energy. And, you know, I would just try to like find myself in time and figure out the fuck why I was so unhappy. So moving through the emotional density, those emotionally dense layers are really tricky and it does take a level of discipline, but accept your basic bitchness, accept that you're in the moment that you're in, accept you're really stuck, stop judging yourself and then get into action. Just get into some type of action, not creating the, the life, the company that's going to make you a hundred thousand dollars tomorrow. Right. And then beating yourself up because it doesn't, I'm not talking about creating anything. I'm talking about slowing everything way down and going inside. So like set little baby minutes. If you can hold for 30 seconds, if you can take 15 long breaths, if you can dive yourself into freezing cold water and change the perspective and shake you out of the mental loop, do that. But it is about like deeply accepting where you are and then stepping into contrary action. Those would be the two, the two things. And trust me, I get it. It was really, really hard for me, really hard. And I never did an ayahuasca. I never did a journey. I never did anything to get me out of the state I was in. There's nowhere to go, honey. You're in jail. You know what I mean? You're in hell. You might as well just keep going. Like, at least that's how it felt for me. I was like, I can't, I can't get out of my mind. Like I'm literally in hell. And so sometimes I just slept. I would just sleep and I would reset myself for 10 minutes. And then there's a decision that has to be made. Are you going to stay? like this? Are you going to stay in this, in this place? Or are you going to pick the little version of you up right now that needs some love and are, and what are you guys going to go do? So it's not easy, but it's never going to be something that's outside of you. that's going to fix you. It's always going to be a decision first, decision first, acceptance, and then a contrary action type of thing. Oh yeah, that's true. Okay. So it's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you mentioned like getting out of your heads because when you're in your head, you really are controlling, right? That's what happens when you're in your head. You're trying to control the outcome. Like, yeah. You don't, I mean, we don't know you're what's going to happen even tomorrow, but you're trying to somehow control this in your head. And you're, what you're saying is let go basically, right? Accept and let go. Yeah. I mean, your brain is wired. Essentially what's happening when you're stuck is you're terrified. You are utterly terrified. The nervous system is in a state of fight, flight, freeze, fawn. It's activating and responding the way that it is. It's activating and responding the way that it is because it's working in conjunction with the, with the brain, which operates off of predictive, qualitative information. So your brain is doing anything at that moment to keep you safe. So it's going to keep you limited and stuck and in, an, in a narrative and in a loop right? And then you get out of time and that's where depression and anxiety kicks in. And then it's a whole shame spiral dumpster fire. 
It's a mess. That's why I was like, listen, if you're in a certain way, fucking jump yourself into freezing cold water that will get you out. <laughs> Cause you're just like, get from here into your body really fast. We're out of our bodies when all of that's happening. So the brain's trying to take over. It's trying to create predictive loops for you. The ego is having its way. It's going into mayday, mayday, mayday. And so you have to like the quickest way, the quickest way to kind of arrest the loop is to observe that you're in it right? If you can actually become the observer for a second and realize that you're in that state, that you're in a state of contraction, it, typically it's a consumptive state. You've had a lot of a sensory experience or you're in comparative or you're in judgment. You are in a limited, dense perception of yourself. You're in separation. So the quickest, and you're out of time. So if you can observe yourself doing that, then you can, oh, that's interesting. I'm in that loop again. Okay. I'm in that loop. Then you're like, oh, this is just a pattern. I'm not a failure. I don't not have control over my life. This pattern is just kicking in. That's all. Right? Like how you would talk to a kid. Little kid's screaming. Honey, put your hand on the nervous system. You're just scared. That's all. That's all. You're just, you're just scared. Take a deep breath. Where's your body? Like however you talk to a child. And um, that's how you kind of talk to yourself. So I would talk myself off ledges, <laughs> be on the ledge. For me, it was always this way, right? I would catastrophize. So it's always going to be this way. I'm never going to amount to anything. I'm always going to be single. <laughs> I'm never going to get out of LA, right? It's always going to be this way. It's always, like always shoulds. It was always absolutes. So talking myself kind of from panic, and fear into, well, how are you right now? What's the story you're telling yourself right now? That's where that pattern exercise comes in. You're in a way, right? The story I'm telling myself is this, it's affecting all these different aspects of myself. And I absolutely learned this from this parent and this parent. It's representing itself in all aspects of my body, but primarily it's up here. Most of the time people are in loops, they're up here, their body gets tight, their shoulders go up here. And they have to bring them back down. We have to get back into our bodies and then just start taking, right? Not this, but this. And then just take the next indicated action and know that fast is slow and slow is fast kind of thing. We have to slow everything way, way, way down. So when we slow everything way down, things start to become less hectic and we panic less. We're not in panic. So the idea is to, you know, all these cliche things are true, but how does that get experienced in the body, right? To accept where you are, accept the shit, right? Just accept it. This is what it is right now. And you know what? I'm going to make the absolute best of it. You make the absolute best of nothing. Then it's just like everything, your perception changes. So first start with the acceptance of where you are. Let go of any expectations of yourself and other, right? Come back to self and let go. Meaning you're not going to try to control. You're not going to try to, you know, uh, manufacture the, the outcome that you want because you really are just looking to get from one moment to the next moment without dying, <laughs> right? Or feeling a certain way. So it's not about going anywhere, but going in. 
and then letting go of expectation of yourself and other that you have to get somewhere and that somehow if you don't experience or achieve something that you're going to be some kind of failure. So I would say that with perception, you know, there's when we're in contraction, it's because we're in some type of evaluation or judgment of where either we need to be in a different place than we are now, and we need to be further along than we are. So there's something about time that is affecting the way we're experiencing ourselves. So we're in a construct of the mind. We're in an illusion. And when we can shift our perception, then everything becomes a lot more expansive. Really, it's just a matter of perception. And then you can start programming yourself differently, which is, gets really fun, actually, when you can start programming yourself differently. Yeah. I think just talking to you, like things that I'm going through right now, I'm just like, okay, yes, like got it. And it just really like helps to sort of slow things down in my mind. So that really helps. So thank you. And I guess the last question I'll ask is you talk about 5D and 3D consciousness and how we're seeing it out in the world. I want to know a little bit about the difference between the two, like how we experience it internally, and then also what the differences would be in the world in terms of seeing like if we're living in a 3D or 5D reality. So time is multidimensionality, right? Time is essentially fourth dimension. And it's part of the structure. It's a fabric, right? It's created. It's, it's a multi, I say it's a multi, it's, it's how much do I want to go into time? So I literally just wrote about this. There's three aspects of it. I don't think people realize it. It's like, there's atomic clockwork time. There's space time. There's particle non-duality time, particle wave duality. So atomic time is literally time that's created from decaying hydrogen and a facility in Denver that, you know, is measuring the oscillations of decaying hydrogen, creating those measurements and then recording them. And that's what's dictating time that we operate off of three o'clock here, 10 o'clock there. Okay. There's atomic time that's part of the system. And then there's space time that's part of our reality that creates the structure of how we experience ourselves. We can only experience perception based on where we're rendering ourselves in space and time. So if you're operating off of a very low level of density, you can only see the dimension below you. I'll say people, having said that, you can see how people are hypnotized and some people are like, oh my God, they're just so not aware. Well, yeah, because they can only see, imagine only seeing 2D drawings of stuff right? That's literally what awareness is. You can, you, you don't see in depth, you don't have the perceptive, the depth of perception that someone who has more access to themselves does. So third D con 3d consciousness is, is closed for business. It is no longer in operation. This is the separation that we're seeing, meaning earth is a hologram. There's multiple earths happening all at the same time. This is the many worlds theory from Everett from the 1950s in that everything basically acts like a wave function that's in a state of superposition, which I've talked about before, meaning everything is pure possibility. If we assume this, then there's multiple Earths and those multiple Earths holographically as an expression from the universe can be experienced regardless of where you're rendering yourself in time. If you're in, depress if you're in a depressed state, right? I'm stuck, I've got to do all of this. 
let's say you're over in this coordinate of time, but then there's another reality of you that feels like where you are is just the best. This is the best ever. That's essentially what quantum shifters talk about is like, you just need to shift your awareness over there. You don't go anywhere. You expand your awareness, right? You change your perception, you change your experience, and then things become less dense. So 5D consciousness is essentially where the earth is moving, going back into, back into, because she, the construct of Gaia itself, this, this plane of existence, this inertia, vibratory expression, earth itself is originally, was originally a 5D consciousness where a lot of this low level density didn't exist. So we're moving towards balancing, right? The, the overarching theme of the world and the, the many worlds and the galaxy itself and the, all that is, is getting a cleanse. We're getting a, a big balance we're balancing itself out. And this happens every hundreds of thousands of years, millions of years. The earth goes through a big cleanse. The galaxy goes through a big cleanse. She will always balance herself because earth is incredibly important in the, un- the structure of the universe and she will survive regardless, right? She will always survive. So if she gets too far off course, it gets heavy, which is what we're experiencing now. That's why we go, if you look at economists, the, you know, economists go in, in cycles of 25. And I think I've been talking about this where there's like going to be something that comes to fruition around 24, 25. And it turns out we're in a 25 year cycle where if you look at waves from nine 11 till now, we're in this kind of catalytic moments where that will either bring people together or divide them further. So that's going to come to a head in 24 and 25, but 5d consciousness is basically just a consciousness of love. It's Christ consciousness. It's, um, there's not polarity to the level there is now. And we're moving more in to that. She's moving towards there now. I mean, as a consciousness, as a collective consciousness too. However, there's also all these different variables. Like we have to, we will make a decision as a collective and that might put us over in this earth experience. And then, you know, that earth experience looks like it might take a little bit longer. Like let's say it's 700 years or 2000 years away for us to be in 5d, right? Or there's a possibility of a timeline where earth exploded altogether, completely eradicated. And there has been beings that have come in to help change the trajectory of that possibility probability, because this is a time bound experience and, you know, something that happened outside of time will look a certain way. It's a little sci-fi, but just know that (laughs) let's say all of that is very possible and probable. How does that affect you in today? Right. How does that help you pay your bills? How does that help you, you know, raise your children? How does that help you feed, like feed your family? All that's fun to know, but if you're not actually experiencing peace, joy, expansion, you know, personal accountability, love in this moment, in the now moment, none of that shit matters. Like literally none of it matters. Everything is as within, as without, as above, so below is literally the expression of everything you learn. Everything you are in this now moment is reflected back to you. And it's part of a collective. 
So <laughs> literally, I'm just like, don't worry about helping other people. Don't worry about having this big impact. Don't worry on any of that. Literally focus on being the best version of yourself coming from a heart-centered place and things will just work out. <laughs> they will just literally work out. So if anyone takes anything away from this podcast, it's, it's not going to be an outward expression, really. And I don't even worry about 5D Earth. <laughs> I don't even trip on that stuff. I, I really am like, how present can I be in this moment? How much can I love the process of being alive, of being able to type, of have like, have a body? How much, you know, like, what do I want to experience? Like, chew your food, like see it differently. People who come back from, you know, near-death experiences or any type of experiences where they lose the veil, things look a little brighter. Listen to the rain and love it. Like, and lean into your family, like lean into the, the family that you have, like really hold your kids. Like those moments, those are the ones. And when you review your life and when you have those moments, those are the, you're going to be able to see that through the, the living. And that's what you're going to feel that that's the feeling experience. That's what it means to be human. So ultimately we're supposed to, or I mean, humans are supposed to be at the resignation of, of earth. We're supposed to be in a love frequency, honor her, protect her, and then transcend her. That's ultimately the goal of what it means to be human itself. One of the, one of the ways to experience human. So I say all of that to say the more present we are, the better off we are as a collective. The better earth is, the better off earth is too. I love that. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. Please make sure to leave a review and follow the fun on social media because that's how it works in this world. In the meantime, get your freak on. I'll see you in the next session.